Today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. The trauma history will manifest as physical at some point, inevitably. You want to know how I know? Because I reverse SIBO, IBS, hypothyroid, and chronic pain and already following these cases in one to two sessions, right? Why is that? Why? Why? Because their emotions have manifested into their emotions have manifested into physical disharmony, right? And if we think about it, it's like emotions are in the fascia. This is the energetic channel. It is the second skin per se that touches intimately every single part of our body and acts in electromagnetic frequency, not electric. It's way faster than the nervous system. Literally, your fascia is able to sense, it is the sensory organ of the body or sensory tissue of the body, able to sense when there's trauma before the trauma even appears. Why? Because it is always taking inventory of everything around you. Your fascia is your intuition. Hello, hello, I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I'm talking with good friend, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, all about neo-emotional release therapy. This has been life changing for both himself and his patients. This isn't your traditional talk therapy. This goes much, much deeper, and he's on a mission to really transform your health in a new way. Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast, and that of course is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you are an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health, and Rupa is the best way to order, track, manage results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness, no need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com to create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Dr. Christian Gonzalez, oh my gosh, I am so excited to have you on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I'm ready to be talking about the root causes with the famous, <laughs> the one and only Dr. Jones. For those who don't know the Dr. G, I have a very sweet spot in my heart for him. And I'm going to tell this story. Dr. G knows it because I've told it a lot. Several years ago, when we were much more babyish in our doctoring, I was texting with a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Dr. Ralph Esposito, and I got my first hater on social media. And Ralph, I didn't, unbeknownst to me, texted Christian and said, Carrie Jones has a hater. And all of a sudden, Dr. Christian Gonzalez pops up in my social media and very politely and very professionally defended me. And I was like, who's this kid? So I messaged him, thank you. And we've been friends ever since. Ever since. Always and forever via Dr. G fan. That is the moment ever <laughs> since you got your first hater. I'm sure you had a lot more since then, but this was great information you're putting out. And oftentimes when you talk about things like root cause, it's different than the paradigm that we are used to. So it's going to inevitably trigger some people in some sort of way. Well, that's a cognitive dissonance, but we learn more. And hopefully people who are quote unquote haters, they begin to open up more and go, wait, this kind of sounds true. Let me try it. And over the years, hopefully less haters, more love. Exactly. Which is actually to a degree what we're going to talk about today, because a lot of hate comes out of our trauma, right? Comes out of our of the, the very levels of trauma we have, whether it's emotional or mental generational, physical. So what we're talking about today is neo-emotional release. And I had no idea what it was. And as I continue to learn from you and follow from you, I was like, 
don't know what this is. Nobody knows what it is, but everybody seems to need it. So I can't wait to talk about that. A hundred percent. I can't wait to just put it all out there because for me at this point, it's one of the most incredible things I've seen as far as the ability and modalities for the ability to have the body heal. And the speed in which I'm seeing healing, which is supposed to take a long time, whether conventionally, naturopathically, or functionally, is I still don't understand what I'm seeing, but I'm just like, the body knows how to heal. I'm just giving it all of the faith that it can. And for so many people, it's happening and it's beautiful. Life-changing. Because I see you, and we'll get into this, but like I just want to say right up front, for those who are kind of curious, I see you comment about those are who are in talk therapy or counseling, and maybe they've been going for years and it's helped some, but it hasn't made the profound change they're looking for. I've also seen you post about how when we're getting a root cause, we need to include this, the deep emotional release as a root cause. And I love that because we aren't, we, you and I were not taught this. And a lot of conventional medicine is not taught this. I mean, just a lot of medicine in general is not taught this getting to the deep emotions to really move healing. So how did you find this? How did you get into this? Yeah, so I was going through my own processes. I've always been someone who was spiritually inclined, mentally, emotionally aware, and then physical. That's how I actually always saw health and wellness. The physical being a later downstream manifestation of all of those other things. And The spirituality has been something that I've always been like trying to meditate and getting in touch with myself and trying to understand the world and consciousness. And I had a friend, his name is David Manning. He reached out to me and said, hey, look, there I'm ex-massage therapist and I've put together some things that I've seen help people. And it's I wouldn't have really been attracted or interested if I didn't have my own processes leading up to it. So what I mean by that is this. The end of last year and the beginning of this year was very tumultuous as far as spiritual, mental, emotional growth. And we all feel that when we don't feel comfortable in our bodies, we kind of know that there's something either we're holding back or there's something needing to be processed. We go from like feeling good and light and all of a sudden be like, whoa, I feel really dense and heavy. What's happening? And the process that I was going through were me like waking up in the middle of the night and having full blown exorcisms like Reagan and the exorcist from the seventies. It was like everything short of my head spinning was I'm like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm going to trust my body. And I've had a version of this when I would do psychedelic ceremonies and journeys where I would go, okay, my body's having its own processes, its own mind. It knows what to do. It's kind of twisting me to the right here and I'm shaking a little bit. So then when I was experiencing these without the influence of psychedelics, it was also incredible to witness my body doing something that is beyond my egoic control. I surrendered to my body and I said, I'm going to let this happen. And when I let it happen, anger came up, deep anger. I'm talking about from 1990. It was the way I can liken it was like, you know, when you throw up and you have the impulse to feel it coming up and you have the impulse to your mouth to open up and just gag it out, that it kept happening. But I felt a ball of emotion moving, moving, moving to my chest, my sternum, my throat, and it would come out of my mouth as a scream. So I was literally puking screams for an hour and I'm going, I don't know what's happening, but I feel like this is an emotional trauma processing. So all of that led up to my friend opening this space and he said, okay, look, I'm doing just a class, check it out. I checked out the class and I said, okay, I'm interested. He's like, listen, come to um, Portugal. There's a group of us. We're going to teach. I'm going to teach people how to do it. And when I was there, thank God that I've always had an inclination of knowing when I'm intuitively in the right place. So that's been something I've worked on spiritually for so many years. I was like, okay, I know I'm supposed to be in Portugal. 
I know everything led me here. And then from my heart, I was like, am I supposed to learn this? Am I supposed to feel, is this true? Does it work? And very quickly I learned, not only does it work, but it healed so much of my own shit that I was holding on to. In two days, uh, we were there for 10, but in the set, by day two, it was all coming out. And I tend, for me, all of the things were very dramatic in itself because it was like, oh, wow, that's fear. Oh my God. And I, I told the story on my podcast of when I had the first true emotional release of fear and the visuals that I was getting and how the body communicates with you through imagery or sounds. The knowing that I was breaking generational trauma in real time, as this was happening, I go, wait a minute, this isn't my stuff. Whoa, oh my God. Now I'm experiencing my dad. Now I'm experiencing his dad. And just this melting away of fear. And the, the beautiful thing is, as these layers of my onion started peeling back, they never came back. Like, I don't deal with grief anymore from my mom's passing away. I don't deal with fear from the paternal generational trauma. I don't deal with anger from the paternal generational trauma. And I'm in, for me, the way that I see it, and I've done this enough to know where I'm at, I feel like I'm at this last core of the onion, which has to do with shame and sexuality, which I actually see is pretty much, well, let's say eight to 10 out of people, the deepest emotion that we're holding in is shame and sexuality and who you are as a sexual being. That's for me, like the final boss of the video game that I'm feeling into. But this has been incredible. And this is how I found it. Yeah. So my friend introduced me to it. There's not a lot of people in America. There's two, one in Minnesota and me. And the rest are really in Europe, Portugal, and heavy in Germany. Wow. And these emotions, for people listening, fear, shame, anger, these have been suppressed oftentimes, held in, pushed aside for since childhood, since the teenage years, since things in adulthood. And so we go to talk therapy. There's nothing wrong with talk therapy to talk about, to process these things. But what you're saying is by doing because these emotions are often sequestered and stuffed by doing this this release, we truly can peel back the onion of the layer. Talk therapy is wonderful and it's beautiful at showing you that there's a tree there. It will never get to the root, ever. Talk therapy will give you tools to work through the emotion, but it won't get to the root of releasing the emotion. You can cry in talk therapy. That doesn't mean emotional release. Emotional release is when you face the parts of you that have been hidden by you at a certain age usually when you're young, and you reconcile that relationship. You see, you feel, you reconnect with who you are. Emotional release is about authenticity. It's not about the dramatics of I'm shaking because I'm crying or I'm screaming because I'm angry or I'm having an orgasm because my sexual liberation is happening. That's all happened. I've seen it right here on the table where this my phone is resting on. But it's not that. It's who are you when you witness that part of you? What do you feel on the other side of that? Right? I did an emotional release on my brother and he's been, he carried maybe 20 years of anger. And under it, he had, I go, what do you notice? What do you feel? What do you see? And he saw just clarity, pure clarity. He's clear about everything. And this is something that I know, knowing he's my brother, struggled with. Indecision, unclear about everything. Every time there was an ongoing joke, every time he we went to eat, he'd be the last one to order because there was so many decisions that he needed to make. Right? But this, since then, has offered a new form of masculinity for him, the assertion element to who he is, right? And this is meeting who you are. It is literally shifting the paradigm of how you are in your body, authentically expressing yourself in a balanced version of masculine and feminine, in a balanced version of who you are, not being able or not being afraid to show those parts of you, which society, cultural, religion, whatever it is, has said that you're not allowed to do. And unfortunately, talk therapy appeases the ego right? We want to know. The moment it happened, 
We want to know exactly what did my dad say to me? Oh, yes, I can't believe I forgot about this. Now I'm going to feel better. It never happens that way. You want to know why? Because the body does not care about your story. It doesn't care about what your dad did to you. It doesn't care about what your mom did to you. It doesn't care about what a stranger did to you. Your body does not care. Your body only cares. Are you holding an emotion and are you allowing it to be expressed? That's it. It would be as silly as us saying that I just cut my knee and we're looking at the knee and as it's healing to a scab, we're going, man, I wonder if the body really cares about the setting of which I cut my knee. It must really care that I got scared and fell off my bike. Or it must really care about my own story with my injuries physically. Your body doesn't care. It just cares about what is the energy at hand. Is it suppressed or is it expressed? This is why there's a massive overcomplication of mental health and emotional health. It's so overcomplicated. I can sit with you, Carrie, you're my patient, and you come once a week for three years, and you feel better. You can communicate better with your partner, but you keep experiencing the same things over and over. Why? Because you're repressing an emotion, and that emotion has an energetic imprint in the body, and you are releasing a frequency into your space, and you are attracting the people, places, things, situations, and circumstances that are of like frequency for you to experience that emotion again and again and again and again. This is why people are in patterns or loops or experiencing the same thing. This is why angry people experience angry people. This is why people who are carrying grief and sad get more situations than people who are giving them that emotion. It's not a mistake and it's not a problem. On the contrary, it is the most elegant, sophisticated, beautiful thing in the world. Your body tries to heal itself of what it's repressing by trying to feel again and again and again and again until you remove that protective mechanism, which is holding you from feeling that emotion that you don't want to feel. Anxiety, depression, addiction, all of those are protective mechanisms protecting you from feeling feelings you don't want to feel. From feeling emotions that you don't want to bear, you cannot bear witness to because it's so painful. So, for example, anxiety, if I'm holding in all of this anger, right? Or let's say I'm a man, sadness. Society doesn't like men to be really sad, but I'm holding in all this grief. So anytime I'm in a situation or around a person, right, or a circumstance that is really triggering that grief and the, the body's going, okay, are you ready? I want you to feel this grief and it's triggering it. No. Instead, I go to a protective mechanism, easy one that everyone understands is anxiety. Why? Because all of that energy comes right to my head and now I'm in my loop. Now I'm like, okay, what do I do? Where do I go? I don't want to be here. What am I going to eat for dinner? Oh man, I forgot to call. That The stories start happening to pull you away from your body so you don't feel what you need to feel. Anxiety is, we overcomplicate anxiety so much. It is a protective mechanism protecting us from feeling the parts of us which are too scary to witness. Same with depression. Same with people-pleasing. So we write books about anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. Without looking upstream, what is the cause of it? It's just an adaptation that we adapt when we're young. There's that moment where your parents or your teacher or priest, whatever it is, say, you cannot be, do, say, or have this. That's it. You're a big girl. You're a big boy. We don't do that anymore. And do you know how alien it is for a child to be told that? Because we're living our life authentically. God, if we're happy and we see a Ninja Turtle, we jump it around and we don't know how to contain ourselves. There's no containment. It's emotion, expression, expression. That's it. Emotion, expression, expression. Oh my God, we're sad. It's Freddy Krueger. It's a boogeyman. I'm going to curl up and I'm going to shake. There's fear. And you could see it in my face. But the moment happens where we're told we cannot be, do, say, or have that. And when that moment happens, it's something incredible. We adapt and we bring in a part of us that protects us. Right? So, and it's usually sort of weaved in our personality. If we tend to be really quiet or disconnected or really just in our own world as it is, 
then it becomes more dramatic or overemphasized as a protective mechanism. And then we become more detached when we're close to that fear. For example, can't feel fear. You're a big boy now, right? For me, and maybe people understand this better, I was always a performer. I always used to put on shows. I used to put on choreographed dances when I was a kid. And what I saw was that, I mean, I'm open about this. I grew up in a household where there was a lot of anger. So anytime that I couldn't express my anger because I knew it was an unsafe emotion in the household. It was destructive. It hurt people. People cry. People were scared. So anytime I couldn't hold my own anger, which is very natural for a child to feel, instead I went to my compensation mechanism, which was performance. So instead of feeling angry and allowing myself to feel angry and my fists to squeeze and me to yell, Instead, I went to something that was that I knew I was good at. It would make the household happy when I would create a performance. So all of a sudden, I became very talented at acting and performing as a young kid. And this was just overcompensation. And that becomes blended into our personality. And we know that it's not us, but it becomes blended over and over and over and over until we're an adult. And then we go, oh, I'm just an anxious person. Oh, I am depression. Right? Oh, I'm just addicted. I have addiction. Or for me, I'm just a performer. And, and every time shit got real, I performed. And I was a comedian and I was fun and I've kept everything light. But when you go through this process, you unblend from that and you see yourself for who you are. You see that, whoa, okay, I actually might be a performer, but I don't have to be a performer all the time, especially when shit gets real, especially when I need to feel the emotions that I need to feel. And this is what happens. This is why people suffer with so much mental health. It's not their mental health that's a mess. It's their emotions that are repressed. When you heal the emotions, your mental health heals downstream. This is so fascinating. I know everyone listening is like, oh my gosh, I can relate. That's me, these emotions. So I have to go to the tactical. I know everyone's thinking right now, what does it, an appointment look like? Like what am, what's gonna happen to me? <laughs> I know this is something I probably need. I know these anxiety, uh, people-pleasing, depression, fear, anger, et cetera, et cetera, are part of my what I struggle with day in and day out. So, But now I'm scared, I'm fearful, I'm shameful of what's going to happen in this appointment. So walk us through the brass tacks of that. The number one thing that has to happen in an appointment is safety and co-regulation. If a person doesn't feel safe in their environment, they ain't going to feel safe in their body, right? So for people who do this type of work, you have to be able to assure someone that you can hold space for every single one of their emotions. And I make this very clear. When people come here, I say, don't worry about me. I've seen the most dramatic of anger. I've seen someone vomit. I've seen puke coming out. I've seen exorcisms. I've seen crying like you lost your firstborn. I've seen orgasms, right? I've seen everything happen on this table to understand that like, I can hold all of that. And I can't. It doesn't I'm not pulled into it. My emotions don't come into it. I've taught myself how to hold myself and hold another at the same time. But really, any sort of somatic practice has to be a way that you get into the body, right? A way that you get into the body. And for me, what I find is the combination of breathing allows the emotions in the fascia to wake up. The combination of voice with the breathing, voice is the most essential thing to healing your emotions. So many men and women are suppressing their voice, especially women. Society says you can't speak up or you can't speak your authentic truth or your voice can't be that high or your voice can't be that deep. It has to come from your chest. It has to come from your throat. Well, guess what? Your chest and throat, that's not where your power comes from. You yell at a little kid and you say, hey, don't do that. That comes from the chest. The kid ain't going to listen. But if you breathe out and feel your power coming from your belly and it comes out, 
then a child listens, a dog listens. There's a difference, right? It's funny, my partner goes, hey, the dog really listens to you when you project. Of course it does. It feels the energy. It doesn't care about the words. It feels the energy. So I say that because a lot of us don't understand that we are voices are more powerful than we ever thought or have been led to believe, ever. And I'll sit with people and they'll be like, oh, I could feel I'm getting uncomfortable, especially when I do the own breath and they hear my voice project. And I go, let me tell you something. If a lion comes running down that pathway to this building and you see a lion come into this room, I promise you, you will yell much higher, much more expansive, much more powerful than you ever thought was accessible, right? It is our story of where our voice is. It is our story of how weak or constricted our voice is. Because I promise you, it's the people who think they don't have a voice who lay down on this table. And once their voice cracks after a few coughs and gags and coughs and gags, and then boom, their voice is here. It is incredible. I was like, there you go. There's your power. And when your power is connected and your emotions are liberated, right? Let's say, for example, it's like a caveman that is defrosting and thawing in the Sahara sun, right? And all of a sudden, like, it's just moving around, not the Sahara, but wherever it is, moving around. And it's like looking to go where the light at the end of the tunnel is. And the light at the end of the tunnel is the throat. And it could be a one-lane highway. It could be a 10-lane highway. That's depending on you. But I promise you, anger which is one of the most dramatic of all, needs a 10-lane highway to leave. It ain't going to leave on a one-lane highway. So there's a lot of people who are constricted and holding in their throat. And I feel 10 out of 10 movement of energy, spasming, shaking. Basically, they're having from the neck down a seizure, moving their body, exorcism. And then their voice that comes out, they're just like, "Uh," right? And there's a disconnect because the body's going, please open up so I can get the hell out of here. And I can't stress it enough. This is what I tell everyone before they leave. I go, amongst all the practices I'm giving you to do at home, sing. You have to sing at 50% more than you are used to. Not only from the vagus nerve standpoint, you got to hear your voice singing over and over and over. You have to be comfortable with how high your voice can go. And then even the next day going a little higher, how wide, how strong. It's the people who I go from, if they have one or two visits, like let's say they come in the second visit and they do this singing, oh, it's day and night. If they're singing two times a day, two, three songs, it's so powerful. So yeah, it looks like that. And there's a lot of practices to get people into theta brainwave states. They got to be in their body. Their subconscious is their body. Not it's on their brain. Their subconscious is in their body. So I'll have them go through practices where they're envisioning things. For a reason, it's very tactical to envision this. There you go. There's the emotion. Most importantly is people naming their emotion. Never do I name someone's emotion. Never. I think it is misleading when someone, there's a lot of somatic practitioners who are like, this is fear. This is fear. How do you feel with fear? Think of someone that makes you feel scared. No, no, no. People, you name it, right? Because your intuition speaking, not mine. I could be wrong. What do you feel? And then we work with what people name. So it's a combination of all these things. It looks like a combination of a mushroom ceremony, sometimes a seizure, sometimes exorcisms, sometimes just really loud yelling. But there's a lot of shaking and a lot of sweating, but it is a new version inevitably of everyone. Okay. So I have lots of questions. All right. First question, how they kind of go together. How often do you find people lay down on your table and are not connected to their body? And how often can people not name their emotion? And then how long for that switch to happen? Good question. Because I'm really good at this, probably (laughs) there's eight out of 10 people are getting into their body, feeling their emotion. There's, you have to be able to hold space and they have to feel in their body, in the practice. So I start off and I have a deep, like we were taught to do like a five minute 
run through, I go like 15 minutes of bringing people deep into their body. So they feel literally their pinky toe. They feel their right hip. They feel the lower back, the muscles. I have them running up, up and down the fibers of their back. They are so in their bodies. And then when I know that they are in their bodies, then we'll start that process for them. A lot of people who are not in their body are afraid, right? They're not afraid of me, not afraid of even the, the whole process. They're afraid of being with themselves. These are the same people who distract themselves in every way, whether it's with addiction, with TV, with social media, with work. Distracting yourself with work is one of the most dangerous things, right? So like there is a fine line between I'm a hard worker, I hustle, but I can put it down and come back to life versus I lose myself in work because I'm too scared to be with myself, right? And it's funny because I work with a lot of really high-performing CEOs over here in LA, big ones, and it's the same flavor of everything. It's like, wow, society has celebrated your compensation mechanism for you to run away from the pain, which I know happened in your childhood. And now you run a Fortune 500 company, but you're still in pain deep down inside. So I just wanted to say that as a side note, because that's another compensation mechanism. It's not, there's nothing wrong with working hard. There's something wrong when you're working hard to run away from yourself. So it's oftentimes the people who lay down here that are running away from themselves. And I notice it because when they're in their body and they're starting to feel safe and then they start to feel emotion, they come right back to their head. So then I'll be like, what do you feel? You know? And they'll be like, I feel sad. I think it's because when my dad, when we, I was in second grade, I feel like I need to, that's where I stop them. I bring them back to their body and remind them the body does not care about your dad. It doesn't care about your story. It doesn't care about stories. Come back to your body. What do you feel? Where do you feel it? What is the emotion that you're feeling? Can you allow that emotion to move to the body? That's it. Very simplified. When people are in resistance, that's oftentimes how it manifests. The other way is the protective mechanisms come in always. So the way I say it is like you and me are going on a journey and we're walking to a castle and in that castle is all your deep emotions, but there's guards in front of it. And those protectors are there and they've been there since you were a kid. And there could be 10 guards, they could be six foot guards, they could be three feet guards, they could be only one, depending on you. But inevitably, there's a moment where protection comes in. A lot of time for crying, especially in men, but oftentimes in women too, there's a protection where their body's ready to belt out in tears. It's ready. It's like, I could see it moving through the body. And then they cry but just very little, you know, tears are coming out. They're like, <laughs> and then they, there's a moment where they swallow and then they stand tall and they're back. And then there's no more crying and they don't even know that they do it. That's the crazy thing. I go notice the moment where you created resistance and protection. And that's because all their life, probably that was developed at some point when they were young, where they said, Hey, Hey, no, you're a big boy or a big bro. You can't cry. And they learn so fast to hold their emotions, to compartmentalize and contain them. So bringing awareness to that is really imperative. Just to bring awareness that someone's resisting is imperative. Because when you bring awareness that you are resisting and you allow yourself to resist, not that something is bad or good, you just allow yourself to be in resistance and feel what it feels like to resist emotion. Inevitably, if you allow that, the resistance goes, oh, I just want it to be seen. I don't even want to be here. And then the resistance leaves. And then you're left with the emotion that's under the resistance. And then that's felt and then transcended. When you were describing just a couple minutes ago what it's like to be on your table, do you let people know to expect that ahead of time? Because I know I'm, I maybe I don't know, but I would think some people might listen to this and go, "Woo, that's a vomiting, seizures, shaking, 
that seems intense. I don't know that I'm ready for that. Even though probably their fear and shame talking. Do you let people know this ahead of time? Yeah. I mean, one person vomited. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was when I was in Portugal. The things I see most are sadness, anger, sadness and anger. And then probably a lot of people have trouble showing their sexuality, their shame, their guilt. But sadness and anger is like on a Wednesday morning. That comes in all the time. That's a flavor of so many people. And rightfully so. A lot of people are angry. A lot of people are holding in their anger. And, and society and usually people's partners have a really hard time holding their partner's anger or society's anger, right? But yeah, no, I let everyone, people come in here and they're like, I'm kind of nervous. Like, I don't know what to expect. And I tell them, look, you ain't going to die. You expressed emotion as a kid and you didn't die, right? You expressed emotion as a kid and sometimes it was intense, but your body knows exactly what to do. At worst, your hair is a mess. Your makeup is running. You got boogers coming down your nose. You got drool coming out of your mouth because you're crying so much or your nose is clogged. Your clothing is soaked in sweat, right? Your shirt is kind of hanging off your shoulder because you're just rolling around so much. That's at worst. At worst, you are just like, oh my God. At worst, you finally let go, right? At worst, you finally let go. What I mean by that is this. I go, I tell people, hey, you know, there's a version of you that exists that is, it's so funny. We think we're so sophisticated with language and institutions and jobs and titles and money and clothing. We're primates, man. We are naked monkeys that have the capacity and ability to kill, right? Every single person in this world has a capacity and ability to kill. And we're fooling ourselves if we say no, okay? So understanding that there is a primal version of us that exists. And that primal version of us that exists allows every one of the emotions in and out, no problem. So I tell people, lean into that version of you, again, with messed up hair, tears, boogers, drool, messed up shirts, sweat, because there's a version of Carrie Jones that is on top of a mountain in the jungle where there's no society and yells and the whole jungle can hear it, right? That exists in everyone. So as soon as I tell people this, they're, they're like, oh, there's a version of me that exists like that. Huh, interesting. Aside from society, culture, all the restrictions, there's a version. And they just begin to lean into that. And the people who really lean into that and they allow it into this practice here, it comes out. And I have a, many people come in one time and I never see them again because everything comes out. Maybe on average two times, sometimes people who are really dense and holding in a lot, three times. And if that gives you an idea, it took me four times, right? So that's how much shit I was holding on to. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the person, where you are, how protected you are, right? How much you protect yourself, how scared you are. Fear, we talk about stress, it's just fear. It's fear from feeling feelings we don't want to feel, right? I'm stressed at work. Okay. You're stressed by extraneous circumstance outside of you. But what is the emotion that you're not allowing yourself to feel because you're stressed at work? Are you not allowing yourself to feel angry at your secretary or angry at your boss, right? Because that is the stress. If you express that anger, you ain't stressed at work. It'll happen again, but you'll allow it to move. You'll allow it to move. So stress is simply your body saying, hey, you ain't feeling. And I need you to feel something because I am holding on to so much. <laughs> How long do sessions last? These sessions are, so they're two hours, but only because I talk for, with them before for about 15 minutes and after for about 20. And then in between we do the work together. Okay. You had mentioned that these feelings often come out of certain areas of the body. Do certain feelings tend to harbor or suppress in certain areas? For example, like in traditional Chinese medicine, we yes. learn anger in the liver can, do people report that to you? Do they yeah, 100%. feel that come out? 
Yeah, what I do is I do a meditative practice right before I start. I ground myself where I open my eyes, leads me exactly. I know with 100% accuracy where they're holding in their emotion. But that's my own little practice, my meditative practice. But inevitably, it always unfolds to where I know it is. But regardless from that, there is a map and you notice it. Anytime someone says, I'm angry, nine out of 10 times, it's in the same spot, in the stomach. I'm fearful in the stomach. I'm sad in the chest. Sometimes, oftentimes when people say, I feel really sad in my stomach. I'm like, okay, well, it, let's say I'll, we'll work with the sadness, but I know that's going to move really quick into anger and inevitably it does. So people who go, I'm really sad. I feel it in my stomach. Mm, that You may feel that on the surface, but you're really angry. I'm really angry. I feel it in my chest. No, you may feel that on the surface, but you're truly sad and your, whole, your anger is overlaying the sadness. When it comes to lower body, the hips, the womb, the pelvis, the genitals, that's all usually sexual shame. That's a big, big role for sexual shame. The right side usually manifests as masculine and that and the left side is feminine. And that I was like, okay, well, maybe. But when I see, I've seen over 200 people already. When I see them on the table, I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this girl is bringing up her dad and how he abandoned her and how he never calls. And her right shoulder is literally twitching right in front of me. Right? And then I'm pressing onto it and having her speak to him and saying the words she needs to authentically to her father. And then you know she's speaking like, I love you, dad. I wish I could see you more. I'm like, no, no, no. Speak from this pain authentically. And then when that comes out, inevitably the shoulder, the pain in the shoulder that she's been living with is gone forever. And this is a girl who's done chiropractic. She's done all the scans to figure out what's happening. What Does she have a rotator cuff injury? Why doesn't her shoulder feel better all her life? Because she's carrying the weight of her father and all of the pain and all of the grief of him not being around. This is the example that I'm giving is, is right there. And it manifests right there on the right shoulder. So usually check out people's bodies, how their shoulders look, how they're standing, their posture, their hips. Tells a lot. The body tells a lot. If you really pay attention, and we as practitioners, we know if we tune into the body, we can tell the part of the body. If you just look at someone, where your eyes are leading as a practitioner, you'll know the part of the body that is suffering the most, the part of the body that needs the most help. Now, yeah, fear and anger are so big and the belly is so much emotion. There's so many people like, it's funny when they're angry, I have them pulsate their hands and show anger in their face. They're breathing and it's moving from their belly and I'm pushing on their belly right on the fascia, right overlying the liver, just throbbing my fingers, pulsating my fingers. And it's like, the anger that comes from there is like crazy. I love the anger releases because I'm like, there you go. That's your power. It's seeing, especially women, release anger is a beautiful thing to see because you see a woman go from victim, I'm a victim of this world, I'm a victim of my circumstances, to all of a sudden their energy shifts and they're like, they're in their anger, they're in the middle of the tornado and then the anger leaves and you just feel like a new person is in front of you. This is a powerful, powerful woman right in front of you. This woman, for the first time in her life, not only found her power, she felt it all through her body and embodied it. Those are the most beautiful moments. And conversely, the same with men who cry. Seeing a man finally hit his heart and go feel safe enough to finally let out tears that he needed to for 20 years. And the society said, you cannot cry. But letting it, being with a man crying is one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see because finally you see him coming back into his softness, into the part of him that is in the femininity, the part of him that knows and understands heart and connection and love, the most sacred things. Like, this is why I love so much what I do. It's like, Jesus Christ, these people are new people forever. 
for the rest of their lives after this moment. Do you get people, obviously you're going to get a lot of people who resonate with this 100%. Absolutely. They had a session, they tell their friend who comes in. Do you ever get people who come in and they're like, I should probably do this, but I don't think anything's going to come up. Yeah. You have doubters. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like I had this guy who's like, my wife brought me here and I don't know. She says <laughs> like, she's like such a big fan of your work and she bought me this. I don't know. She's just saying I need this, this, and this. I don't know if it'll work. I haven't really cried. And it's funny one guy's like, I haven't cried in 21 years, this guy, 21 years. So I don't know. Within we'll say 30 minutes, probably around there, guy breaking down and crying. And he's, I could see him like freaking out. What the fuck is going on here? Why am I crying? I haven't cried in 21 years, right? But I'm confident that even the people who doubt the most, who are most dense in their own protection, right? Because for me, when someone comes in and goes, I don't believe any of this, I, that's their protection talking, right? Their body knows what they need. Their body knows they need to just be in a place where they feel safe enough to be in their body. That's it. And this is a practice that does that. So I'm confident and this, I've never had someone just stay here and just like not move and just be like, this is the stupidest thing ever, ever. Every single person on some level, depending on how much they protect themselves, whether it's the first layer of the onion or we go through the whole damn onion right to the core, on some level expresses emotion. The guy 20, if someone doesn't cry for 21 years, lays down and cries his eyes out, right? And having memories of his childhood, you know, within 30 minutes, that's at that point I was like, okay. This space can anyone can reveal emotion. Why? Because we're human beings, because we all have emotion, because we're all holding in stuff. The person who's not holding in stuff, and people may resonate with this, you know, the person who's fully expressed. When they're angry, they're like, you sort of like look up to the way they show anger because they're not throwing it out on you. They're not angry at you. They're not taking it out on their partners or people around them. You just see them in their anger and they can hold and move through their own anger. The people who just like shake and scream in the backyard or go into their car and then they're back to regulation or the people who cry when they need to cry or the people who go, oh my God, I am so ashamed of the way I showed up in that place. I feel it in my body. I'm so sorry. Oh, I feel so much shame. We're so attracted to those people right? We're so (laughs) attracted to the men and women that are authentically them. Why? Because subtly, we know that that is the healthiest expression of who we are. And we know because it's weaved into our DNA to be fully expressed in who we are. We know that when people express themselves, we go, I want more of that. The irony is that that more of that is right there for you today. You don't need two years of therapy or figuring out shit. That version of you exists right now. And it can be accessed today as long as you let yourself get into your emotions, feel your resistance, allow your resistance, see what's under the resistance, feel your emotion, allow your emotion, allow it to be felt, transcend it, and have a brand new relationship with the deepest emotion that you're holding in. And I love that you keep going back and saying, like, the body knows what to do. You can be the most heady, in your mind, protective person in the world, and the body knows what to do at the end of the day. It doesn't need your head's permission. It doesn't mean your ego's permission. If when given a safe space, it will naturally know what to do and how to move through it. And I love that. Exactly. It is as silly, Carrie, as you and me going like, we're spending years trying to figure out what is the exact mechanism that happens in the body when you cut your leg open and it heals. And we're trying to figure it out. And then we're trying to apply it. We, we, we do a test where we cut open my leg and then we just watch it and heal. But what value does that information have for us from this standpoint Versus just letting the body heal. More important than letting than understanding the mechanism of the healing, the platelets, fibrinogen, all that stuff. More important than that is, Christian, are you picking the scab and opening up the wound over and over and over and over? 
that's more important than understanding because if I'm picking this guy, it ain't never going to heal. So why do we need to understand all the stories behind what's, why we're feeling the way we do versus am I picking the scab? Am I protecting myself every single time I'm feeling really close to crying in public or feeling close to crying around my dad or my partner? And I'm really scared to do that. Or am I not swallowing? Am I not disconnecting, compartmentalizing? And am I allowing myself to just be? Because that's the moment we stop picking the scab and we allow ourselves to be who we are. We are sad. This is what I tell people. You are joyous. You are love. You are compassionate. You know what? You're also an angry person. You're also a sad person. You're actually a sexually frustrated person. You're a guiltful person. Why? Because every single part of every version of us exists. All of the best parts and all of the dark, dark, dark parts that society doesn't accept. And until we really start seeing ourselves in the spectrum of who we are, we're going to keep compartmentalizing spiritually bypassing and going here. This is all the things that I am. I'm happy. I'm joyous. I'm loving my God. Everyone loves me. Oh shit. Well, what about I'm guilty? I'm shameful. I've done some fucked up shit. Do I feel the shame of it? Do I feel the anger? Do I feel the sadness? We have to allow that part of us to be illuminated. Otherwise we're not authentically us. And if we're not authentically us, we're not healthy. You cannot be healthy. If you're carrying so many emotions, but you're eating the best diet and you're doing the best tests, and you have the best biohacks, none of that matters if you're carrying 20 years of sadness, 30 years of anger in your body. What does all that matter? We're talking, that's downstream stuff. If you ain't feeling good in your body and expressing who you are, none of that matters. And we see it as doctors, you and I, when, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, if we go to one end of the spectrum, we have people with fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue, these really chronic, intense conditions because the body has to manifest somehow and right and then it turns out we find out they have some sort of trauma history they have these deep emotions i was flying somewhere and i had a gentleman sitting next to me what do you do i said a women's health doctor and he said oh my gosh my wife has severe fibromyalgia severe migraines it's hard for her to leave the bed like what supplement should you use for her and he she wasn't on the plane and i said hey this is probably a very personal question you don't have to answer it but by chance does she have a trauma history? And he said, oh, massive. She has a massive trauma history. And I said, does she work through any of that at all? He was like, never, not ever. And she's not going to. Like, nope, we don't talk about it. She doesn't talk about it. She doesn't wow. work through it. So wow. is like, will magnesium help? And I was like, no, <laughs> no, unfortunately. I mean, you could try it, but no. And that was, I want to say 10 or 15 years ago, but that was a real eye-opener for me where it was like, he shut it down. She apparently had shut it down and was but how do I fix all the pain that is manifesting in my body? And it's a very extreme example, but it's not uncommon. We see it all the time. This is why you're a great doctor, right? Because your thought immediately, it's like, whoa, what does she have trauma history, right? Because if she has migraine headaches, most likely she's holding something in her traps going all the way up her head, right? Into her, into the muscles of her around her head or cranium. But like, this is important for, for us to think about is like the trauma history will manifest as physical at some point, inevitably. You want to know how I know? Because I reverse SIBO, IBS, hypothyroid, and chronic pain, and already I'm following these cases in one to two sessions, right? Why is that? Why? Why? Because their emotions have manifested into their emotions have manifested into physical disharmony, right? And if we think about it, it's like emotions are in the fascia. This is the energetic channel. It is the second skin per se that touches intimately every single part of our body. And acts in electromagnetic frequency, not electric. It's way faster than the nervous system. Literally, 
your fascia is able to sense, it is the sensory organ of the body or sensory tissue of the body, able to sense when there's trauma before the trauma even appears. Why? Because it is always taking inventory of everything around you. Your fascia is your intuition, right? So your fascia will hold physical and emotional disruptions and it holds it in the form of disruptions. It distorts, kind of like a wrinkled t-shirt that's swirling around my finger. It distorts and it pulls other parts of your body. This is why people, when they're getting massages, oftentimes feel that really, really tender point, and then it radiates to the side of their head or their lower back, right? And this is because the fascia is distorted. And usually when there's physical or emotional trauma, it's held there. So what I notice is when people release a lot, everyone gets really hot, really hot, like they came out of a sauna. Why is that? Well, because the energy that it takes to hold, right, comes out in the form of heat when it's liberated, right? So all of that energy, all that energy, imagine the energy it takes that when it's released, it looks like you came out of a sauna. All that energy, guess what it's taking resources from? Your hormones, your immune system, your brain, your healing capacity, right? All of that energy, the way I say it is like, if I'm in a pool, the way I say it is, if I'm in a pool and you give me a beach ball, and I take the beach ball, it's full of air, and I hold it underwater, right? For the first 30 seconds, I, it's easy, right? Or for the first five years, it's easy of, of your life, the emotional part. But at some point, my arm starts getting tired and shaking, and then my muscles start contracting, and then at some point, I'm not going to be able to take it, right? And imagine all the energy that I'm utilizing to push down and hold and hold and hold and hold. When you let it go, there's the dramatics of it flying through the air, the emotional release, And then it comes back to the surface. And that is the new regulated version of yourself. So what I tell people is like, okay, are emotions connected to you always being sick? I can't say. But what I can say is that your emotions are taking a hell of a lot of energy from your body just to be held into fascia. And I promise you, your immune system can really, really use a lot of those resources, a lot of that vital force of who you are energy. So maybe one day we'll see. But what I say is, if your emotions are in check and the ball is in the surface and it's back to regulation, then most likely your immune system will begin to recover or become more robust. Hopefully, you're, aside from all the toxins we talk about and crappy diet, your hormones start get, having the, the space and place to start healing. All of these things play a role, but I'm just working from the emotional standpoint, which is so, so important. So important. So important. Okay, as we wrap this up... This is the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I am all about practical and tactical. Give us your top two or three things that you really want listeners to take away from this before I have you let them know where they can find you and learn more about this. But what's the top two or three that you love to say? Yeah. Number one is, I don't think you can be healthy. I don't think you can be a healthy person if you don't have a relationship, not a connection, a relationship with your body. I actually am very sure from an emotional standpoint that your body is always talking to you. Always. It is whispering first and then it is yelling. And we call the yelling manifestations disease, right? But if you can tune into your body, if you can take 10 minutes every day to do a body scan, mindfulness meditation of feeling your feet, literally feeling every inch of your body, every surface, every part, every limb, every toenail, if you can feel that and then connect to the parts of your body which you feel really disconnected from or feel really like the energy is not flowing there, and actually, this is wild, put your hand on the part of the body that you feel really disconnected from or is really just gunked up, dense. Let's say, for example, your gut. Put your hand on your gut 
take a moment when you're in that state of really being in your body and ask your body, what do you need? What do you need right now? You may hear something. First thing you hear, you may see an image. First image you see, you may see or hear nothing. Go on with your practice. But I promise you, the more you do this, the more you're going to at some point be like, holy crap, my body is literally talking to me. And notice what your body's asking for, right? Your body may ask for carrot soup when you put your hand over your stomach and honor your body. Because I promise you, if your favorite influencer on Instagram says carrot soup is the devil and you can't have it because it raises your blood sugar and it's going to dysregulate you and, and all these things, all these whatever, but your body's asking for it, honor your body. Because your body, I promise you, is a million times smarter than any influencer on Instagram. So connect with your body is number one. I promise you, even if someone listening never gets to see me for anything ever, for a visit or a session or virtual, then you know what? This is the number one thing you have to do for yourself. Because you may find if you do it more consistently, your body is going to ask for rest, cry, scream, movement, dance, whatever it is. So honor your body, number one. Number two, you have to honor your voice. If you're listening to this and go, wow, I really do speak from my chest. It doesn't really come from my belly. And I don't really, I'm disconnected from my voice. Well, then start honoring your voice. Start expanding your voice, even if it's in the shower. Think of an opera singer, right? All right. Let it go really high. Let it go really wide. Imagine your voice covering your whole bathroom, covering your whole house, covering your neighbor's house, then the neighborhood, right? If you can allow the discomfort and pushing the edges of what you think your voice is and speaking your truth, right? Honoring, okay, you know what? I'm a little bit scared to say this to my partner or my boss, but you know what? Let me just connect to my belly. Let me connect to my power. I don't really want to work here anymore. Whoa, that was crazy, right? But begin to honor what your power and your truth is. And that's coming from your belly, okay? I would say those are the number one and two things. And then the number three things, and I say this because it is the most common repressed emotion, shame around your sexuality. What I tell people is make a playlist. Make a playlist of 20 songs. Call it my morning ritual or my sexy playlist. You pick 20 songs to 50. If the first five seconds don't make you feel sexy, first five seconds, you don't feel like, ooh, I like this song. Makes me feel something. It's not, it's cut. It's not added. But make sure you add. And then I always tell people, you have to have a practice to get in your body other than just like the meditation scan. So for me, I do a form of ecstatic dance, but I do it from my root all the way up, right? So I call it like Dr. G's penis dance, right? So I move my energy from my genitals all the way up my body because why? It's important for me to connect with my sexual nature. It's important for my body to move sexually, right? Without society saying, a man's not supposed to move like that. No, 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 no. You can't move your hips like that. You ain't Elvis. No, actually I can and I can connect to that. So men and women out there, feel that discomfort, but play that playlist. Move your womb, move your genitals, fellas, right? Move your penis and feel your body, your fascia down there dictating your movements. Very, very important. So the sexuality thing I would say is huge, huge, huge. Getting into contact and then like, look at your clothes you're wearing. Does it make you feel good? Do you like the patterns? Go to your closet, touch your clothes. Ask yourself, why do I even wear this? It doesn't even look good. I don't like the color. I don't like the design. And it certainly doesn't feel good in my body. Then put it to the back or throw it away. It's time to become authentically expressed. Add in 
colors, patterns, fabrics, what makes you feel good. And if you're too afraid to wear it to Whole Foods or Target, then wear it in your own home when you're doing your dance. But begin to feel the sensuality, the sexuality, the kink, the energy of who the hell you are sexually. This has been amazing. You, I just adore you, first of all. And then I learned so much when I talked to you. So everyone listening, where can they find you? Where can they hear you? Where can they search this? All the things. Cool. Yes, I have uh, at drdocr.gonzalez, G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z. That is on Instagram. The podcast that I've been doing for a few years now is called Heal Thyself. Dr. Carrie Joan has been on it and she blew the roof out of it. One of my favorite ones, actually. That was so good, the hormone one. My podcast is docgonzalez.com. But more importantly, I would say if you're interested in any of these emotional releases, we opened it in June and it booked out in one day till December. That is how many people need their emotion. They knew in that moment, they go, I need this. I need it. And they were right because people are coming here and they're expressing emotion. So we don't open up till for the next year till December. That's one-on-one. But the virtuals I decided to start doing, which are very effective, and these are huge groups of people, we'll say 50, but we do it multiple times a month, right? So we'll have classes of 50, class of 50, class of 50. Sometimes it's gut focus for fear and anger. Sometimes in two weeks, it's going to be womb focus for sexuality and women who are having reproductive issues. And sometimes it's just full body. So if you're interested, you go right to listen to my stories, I'll promote it, or it's in the Calendly link on the Instagram and you can make an appointment. We don't open up the, it's every month we open it. So probably in the beginning of next month, I'll open up all the dates for November. So yeah, if you're interested and I'll be doing a lot, a lot of work. We're talking about doing a tour around the country. Uh, We sold out of our LA trip here, our LA emotional release event. We had 150 people here literally crying and screaming at the same time in a a little event space in Venice. It was really wild. But we're thinking to do a a tour around the country, the big city. So there's a lot for emotions that are coming. A lot. The training, the science, everything is happening. What is coming is a tidal wave. And I'm over here riding the tidal wave on a surfboard with my sunglasses on. As you should. As you should. (laughs) Dr. G, thank you so much for being on today. I just appreciate you so much. And you have been a wealth of information you give a lot of people a lot of hope and a lot of resources. And I just thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Jones, for having me. It is a honor as always. And thank you for giving me the platform to just speak about the stuff that I love. I respect and honor you. You are my favorite. Thank you everyone for viewing <laughs> and listening. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you loved today's conversation, would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.